As most of you know, my name is Esther, and I'm from the countryside of Peterborough, where I grew up on a farm. I'm the youngest of a sister and two brothers. We were weekly church attendees, so after learning about Jesus' love for me, I knelt at my bedside with my mom and asked Jesus to come into my heart, to forgive me of all my sins, and to be my savior at the age of four. My parents were high school sweethearts that married young and came to know Christ in their early 20s. Being fresh Christians, they named me after Queen Esther in the Bible, whose name means star, which suited my dreams back then. Dreams that God was going to do something big with my life, working through me to be an inspiration to the lost and the broken. I always felt for others in their pain, wanting to save them somehow. My perception of Jesus as a young child was that he was my best friend who loves me, and it was natural for me to talk to him in my thoughts and prayers. Growing up, we shared a house with our aunt, uncle, and two cousins, using a wall to split the house in half. My grandparents were our neighbors a few yards down the road. All of us kids had a lot of fun with playing manhunt in the haystack, jumping off ropes into the hay, playing cops and robbers, and swimming at a boat launch down the road. My brother Nick, who is a year older than me, always looked out for me if I got hurt or anything. I was close with my mom as a little girl, but I don't recall any memories with my dad who worked a lot. I was timid of him because we didn't interact much and he looked scary with his long black haired mullet to me. But gradually as I grew a little older, I stopped being afraid of him. My dad would always laugh telling us stories of his high school years how he would tease nerds and overweight people. Often anywhere we went, he and my brothers would point out people's flaws, making fun of them. I struggled with being overweight for as long as I can remember, which left me feeling like a reject, invaluable, and worthless. My sister Jody was also known as Daddy's Girl, so with her being thin and pretty, I believed that I was an embarrassment to my dad since I was on the heavier side. My brothers played hockey, which being around their teams full of guys paranoid me, thinking that all of them probably make fun of me, thinking I'm gross. My sister struggled, worrying of what others thought of her too, but she expressed her feelings, which caused my brothers to tease her. I was observant and taught myself to be quiet, keeping my thoughts inside so that I wouldn't be teased. This was the beginning of depression creeping in, with thoughts of hating myself. Many times all throughout my life, I cried out to God, begging him to go back in time, never putting me into existence, asking him why he created me. I wanted out, so when I was 11, I attempted suicide, but halfway through, I stopped myself due to the fear of the Lord, knowing I have to trust him. Um, my sister struggled socially, always walking with her head down, and did not know how to talk to others because she was so petrified of what others would be thinking of her too. We had always shared a room together, and one morning shortly after I had turned 13, my sister was up really early, which woke me up briefly, but I, excuse me, I rolled over, falling back to sleep. Later, as the rest of us were getting ready for school, my uncle came in telling us that my sister, sorry, my sister committed suicide in our barn we had always played in. 
I stood in shock as my mom was screaming and pacing back and forth, then falling to her knees sobbing while my dad was at work. Over a thousand people came to her wake, and at the end I pulled a chair up to her coffin, holding her hand, praying and saying bye to her. God gave me peace, understanding how she felt and that she wasn't being tormented by depression anymore. I could never understand how others could get through any tra tragedy in life without knowing <laughs> and having Jesus by their side. Driving down our driveway, <clears throat> I could sense an evil realm surrounding our home. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and, and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Carrying sadness but not fear, by knowing a verse in Colossians 2.10 that says, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So every time all of us went somewhere, I would put the Christian television station on and play worship music until we returned. Gradually the darkness over our home fled. Also, on three separate occasions, God uniquely declared the verse of Psalms 116, verse 15, to my parents. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. This gave my parents peace that Jody was with the Lord. We all grieve separately as we are a tough love, don't show any weak emotions family. I tried to be the strong one by trying to walk in my sister's shoes that I could not fill nor replace. No one ever went back to play in, that, in our barn even to this day. My brothers started coming home drunk, and my parents started bringing alcohol into our home, which we were always taught strictly, no alcohol, no swearing, and to obey the Bible. It was devastating and con very confusing for me to see the opposite of what we were taught being done. I clung to Jesus and stuck to the church, being involved in different ministries. I was a Bible camp leader, youth group leader, and also went on a mission trip to England where we worked with youth in a neighborhood and did door-to-door -door evangelism, which filled me with a rush. I never had problems making friends and usually disguised the brokenness I felt deep down by being the comical one. Through a high school program, I got a job as a hairstylist assistant in a salon. Um, my closest brother, Nick, decided to move into my room and he sometimes wait, waited up for me to make sure that I got home safe. This meant a lot to me because he made me feel safe and acknowledged. After some time, he was drafted into the OHL, having to move four hours away into, our, into another family's home. This was hard for me, leaving me deeper into depression. My, my life at home was very lonely, with spending years in my room crying to God for help and daydreaming of a different life. The only male besides my brother that showed any value towards me was my grandpa, who always tried to build me up with excuse me, confidence. He was someone I looked up to, who shared many talks with me through the years and life lessons. I sat at my grandpa's bedside, holding his hand one morning in the hospital, where he suddenly opened his eyes, looking at all our family surrounding him as he took his last breath. I sobbed, crushed inside, feeling like something snapped inside me. With much sorrow built up and begging God to take me out of this world, I drifted from trusting that God cared 
or had any good plans for me. A belief began to grow inside me that I didn't realize at the time, but carried it throughout my adult years subconsciously, um, that God viewed me as the same as what I believed most males seemed to view me as, worthless. So feeling undesirable and lovable and fed up, I started making bad choices that led to years of destruction and trauma after trauma. I did an apprenticeship at the salon I worked at. I became a hairstylist. My coworkers became good friends who introduced me to more secular things. We would go bar hopping and eventually I became a pothead. Still being overweight, weighing at my highest 354 pounds, I was desperate for love and started talking to a guy that I went to high school with. After talking all night, I met up with him the next day and basically never left. His adopted mom told me that he had fetal alcohol syndrome, which means that his brain will always have the same level of a 14-year-old mind. This didn't bother me. He seemed amazed as I shared the love of Christ to him with asking so many questions. He said that he believed in God, so I made excuses to myself that God is okay with us being together. A few months later, I was pregnant with a baby girl. As time went on, things started to pop up showing signs of infidelity and abuse. I had to have faith knowing that God created this child inside me for a reason. So when she was born, I named her Faith. The conviction of being pregnant, or sorry, the conviction of having a child out of wedlock pressed on me. So we decided to get married. The next five years was full of verbal and physical abuse. Each morning, I'd wake up nervous, walking on eggshells, not knowing what mood he would wake up in. Many times, I found myself curled up on the floor, trying to avoid the abuse, quietly crying and screaming in my mind for my brother to come rescue me. When our daughter was 11 months old, I found out that we were expecting a son. I never wanted to leave because I wanted my kids to grow up with their parents together like I did. Also, since the death of my sister, Fear filled me when it came to having to let go of someone because I would always ask myself, what if they die and this was my last memory with them? So I made a promise to myself that I would do everything I can to keep our marriage going. Um, he would not let me go out with friends or let me wear nail polish, accusing me of trying to attract other men. My family no longer allowed him around, which made things more difficult trying to please everyone. He had a DUI before we met, so he was unable to drive. And the subject of him getting a job would be an all-day fight, so I kept working part-time, dropping our kids off for my mom to babysit. I wouldn't tell my family anything about my home life. Countless times I found him watching porn, conversations on his phone, trading pictures with other girls, and, and, sorry, and forgave him after I was away and came home to find him with another girl in our bed. I don't know how to express what and how those acts affected me. They shouted to me that I will never be good enough. Shortly after having our second son, he disappeared. My stomach was in knots for two days with having no word from him. I packed our children in the car and drove around searching for him, finding him living with another woman. He came back after a couple of weeks, but I couldn't do it anymore, so I divorced him. I ran into an old friend at church and we started talking, leading to living common law again as I was doing schooling to become a dental assistant. 
uh, he became the love of my life. He was a Christian as well who was never ashamed to tell others about Jesus. So again, I made excuses, convincing myself that our relationship was Jesus approved, even though we lived together. I never said it out loud, but I had no value of myself and didn't trust that him living on his own would stay faithful to me. He would always tell me that I'm beautiful and held my hand everywhere we went. He made me feel loved and he cared for my children like his own. We were each other's best friends. Three months into our relationship, his seasonal job started up again. So he would sometimes get these pills that completely changed his character, uh, giving him energy. I didn't think much of it being in pill form because from my understanding, pills were not drugs. He started getting into hydromorphs, oxys, coke, crack, and eventually into fentanyl. At the time, I didn't know much about any of these drugs, but how he treated me and with the fun that we ha would have, I convinced myself that it's not so bad as long as I never use and that it is never around my kids. After some time, he was getting deeper into these drugs, which led to nightless sleeps where he would leave saying he would be right back, but would show up the next day sometime. Uh, I was a bundle of nerves. All the times I would take him to pick up while the kids and I were left waiting in the car for hours at times, so I would take them for slushies and play at the park. I would end up taking care of his three kids. We spent most weekends at our place, as well as my own three, while we would sleep most, well, he would sleep most of the day away from partying all night. It had gotten to the point where I was sleeping with my debit card and my keys. He felt convicted all the time and tried to get and stay sober many times. While I was researching and praying for God's guidance to the right place, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually I came across Teen Challenge for Men in London, Ontario. The next day our pastor stopped by and mentioned the faith-based rehabilitation center to him. We went ahead with applying and going through the process leading him to the London Center in September 2016. He seemed to be doing well and would call me each week and then started to have passes. So I would visit him and after one of his passes I ended up pregnant with both our fourth child. It was hard for him missing out on the pregnancy. So on his seventh month he had his first weekend pass to come home and he did not return back. Two weeks later, he relapsed. Long story short, that summer we had our baby boy who came early in an emergency C-section because I had a twisted bowel hernia. Um, I always loved being a mom and made sure we did something fun together every day. One night after they were all in bed, my boyfriend asked me to try drugs with him, and this time I did. I had given up that he would ever stop using and wanted to know what the big deal was. Why after so much damage drug sorry. Why after so much damage drugs cause? Why couldn't he just quit? I didn't feel any difference except that I went on a big cleaning spree. So from then on I tried explaining or I tried everything he would bring home and eventually got hooked on fentanyl. Once you start using is when you stop coping. This brought us even more closer because we would pick up together and use together. We never separated. We would save each other's lives often from overdoses. And one Halloween night after taking the kids trick-or-treating, he overdosed and ended up in a coma for 42 days. I was told to prepare for his funeral, but God did a miracle and saved his life. 
He was left with short-term memory loss, so every day he couldn't remember the day before. He became worse than ever in addiction and started using in front of the kids, overdosing where I would have to give him CPR because the Narcan wasn't working. In fear of my children and of ever having CAS involved, I chose to ask him to move out even though I still loved him. That's when I became hard and tough, putting walls up around me. I was afraid of any, or sorry, I wasn't afraid of anything and got worse into my addiction, yet still took care of my children and worked five days a week. I decided to, to quit and went on methadone for four months, then relapsed and was right back in where I left off. I ended up with a kidney infection, and while I was at the hospital, <clears throat> excuse me, my family found out that I was on methadone, and later I confessed of my drug use. I hid my addiction for three years. They were devastated. Um, when they went to take me home, we walked into a tornado. Everything was torn apart. I knew it was my ex because he always forgot that he didn't live there anymore. And when he was on crack, he would be extremely paranoid, thinking people were after him. So he would look in cupboards, under mattresses, etc. After that, my mom made us leave everything to made us leave everything behind to never come back. We moved into my parents' home, where I stayed clean for six months while coming off of methadone. My ex ended up setting a gas station on fire and went to jail. Um, so I haven't seen him since then. As always, I ended up relapsing and was immediately kicked out. I lived in my van for a bit and then slept on my friend's couch and um, just lived the life rushing for drugs all the time. Um, then slowly doing everything needed to get into the Women's Teen Challenge in Aurora. In May 2021, I entered their doors, relapsing at six months after going out on a pass, bringing paraphernalia back with me. They let me stay, and I graduated May 2022, staying on as a phase four, where I went home on weekends and took care of my kids. Not long after I met up with my ex's brother, I relapsed again. I hid this for a bit until I hit a lady's tail end at a stop sign while I was high. Receiving eight charges and possible jail time, I left and stayed in Toronto in the, in the parking lot of a hotel shelter where my friend stayed while I lived in my van. I started dating another abusive guy who was an addict as well. Uh, every day I'd go to work for a cleaning company so that we had money to get high every night. One day we randomly decided to drive to Edmonton, Alberta, where his mom and siblings lived. Our plan was to get clean, get a job and save money to come back in a better position for our kids. We had a fun drive stopping everywhere, meeting different people with the same interests. Once we got to Edmonton, eventually his car got taken by the police and his mom kicked us out so we lived on the streets. On my birthday last year, the police picked, picked him up to take him to the psych ward because his mom was worried about him. I stayed outside of a store till dark all day, having nothing with me and called my dad who flew me back to Ontario. Again, I was clean for a month and relapsed um, and flew my boyfriend back here and we continued our drug life. These past years in the drug world, I have seen every evil under the sun, overdose after overdose and deaths, robberies, criminal charges, etc. 
This downward, sorry, this downward spiral continued on through to December 2022, as most mornings I was unsure if I'd still have a place to stay that night. All the while, the Holy Spirit kept bringing to my mind a verse that my parents had quoted to me. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, God's son, purifies us from all sin. That's 1 John 1 verses 5 to 7. This verse started pressing heavily on my heart and convicted me remorsefully to not want to meet Jesus face to face from an overdose. How could I dishonor the one who chose to leave paradise to come to this painful world because he values and loves me that much? I have been humbled to the proper love and respect towards our almighty God and the acknowledgement of the agony I caused my children and put on my family. On January 12, 2023, I re-entered the Ontario Women's Centre for a refresher program. Um, I never stopped believing in Christ, nor did he ever leave me, but I am now ready and willing to surrender myself with the focus and desire to obey God's will by putting action into my faith in him. No more relying on my feelings, but instead transforming my mind to God's truth written in the Bible. God hears our prayers and loves us. He will only do what is best for us, but he also gives us a choice to trust him or go our own way. Today I choose to be thankful for the life I have been given, and I speak the Holy Spirit's joy into my life, praising him for freedom from addictions. You are looking at a miracle from God with me standing alive in front of you today and blessed with the opportunity of restoration. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. John 15.13 says that there is no greater love than that. We may have many heartaches and regrets, but God's love covers a multitude of sins. He loves you more than any human is capable to love. And he does not condemn you when you come to him, but instead he will bring you out of the darkness and into the light. He will never let you go. My favorite verse is Psalms 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Living like I was dead is not an option anymore. My life is for God and my children, not for man, drugs, food, or any earthly things anymore. I may fail every day, but with Jesus Christ's strength, I will continually get back up. I will choose love over feelings. Um, and so as, now I'm just winging it, but as I'm finishing my six-month program um, next Wednesday, I'm going home and I found out that there's a Celebrate Recovery there, so I'm gonna continue to do that. And um, for anyone new here, I just want to encourage you to keep coming because it's just a place of no judgment and a place where we can all relate to each other and it um, just helps you, helps you with your walk with Christ and your sobriety walk. That's it.